I think something that I really took away from lockdown was that making music is a gift, but making music with other people is a privilege. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. You are listening to more interesting than Frankie Matos, but you already know that because you clicked on a link or hopefully you are following this or subscribe to this or whatever the podcatcher of your choice uses as a mechanism to deliver. I am Frankie Matos, the titular host of this podcast. And in a rare turn of events, I am recording this intro on the same day that I recorded the episode. No way. Sorry if I'm being a little silly or if my voice sounds a little shot. It's been a long life. <laughs> no, but it, is, it has been a pretty crazy couple of weeks. I, I'm really glad that you guys are still here, that you're still listening. I know I don't put these out a whole lot, and I know I always comment on how rare they are, but I think it's nice because, you know, when I put something out, it's an event. Not like I think anybody's, you know, throwing podcast listening parties about it, but I just mean that it's not something I'm forcing out of my ass every week. It's, you know, it's a lot of work. I do a lot of editing to try and make the sound really good. This is actually the one of the only episodes that I've recorded in the same place as another episode with the same setup and gear as another episode because I've moved around so much since I started this podcast. So what I'm trying to get at is that it's um, not easy to self-produce and record and edit all of these things with the little time that I do have. So you know I'm not just giving you some filler. It's always someone I think is really worth my time and your time to talk to slash listen to. So I'm really excited to tell you that today I have on Sarah Gross, who is probably one of the most impressive singer-songwriters that I've ever met. Just, I don't want to say unfairly <laughs> gifted and unfairly good, but like just one of those people who seems to just have that thing, you know, just the right combination of being a good writer, a good performer, and knowing what it takes to promote yourself in this day and age. Um, so I was like, I have to have Sarah on because sooner than later, she is going to be too big for my show. <laughs> so I really appreciate her coming on. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. Um, most of you or many of you are probably also artists in some way, shape or form. And she gives some pretty good insight and just has really interesting stories, especially for someone so young. So, um, uh, Definitely, definitely not an episode to miss. I don't think any of these have been episodes to miss because I just luckily know so many cool people, but definitely strap in for this one uh, and stay there <laughs> or go listen to Sarah's new EP, The Riversides first, if you want, uh, because then you will understand just how truly awesome this person is and uh, maybe appreciate this conversation more, but you don't have to listen to it first to appreciate the conversation but definitely uh at some point you should listen to it because it's very good uh, even if you don't finish this podcast or if you stop right here because i'm being annoying or something you should definitely just go listen to the riversides anyway i won't make you wait any longer here is 
Sarah Gross. Sarah Gross, welcome. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank Thanks you. for having me. I was going to say thank you for being here. Uh, I <laughs> think this is probably, and this is more of a, a, a me thing, but this is, I think, only the second time I've ever recorded an episode in the same place with the same setup. So oh, welcome, to, welcome <laughs> to the only refined episode of this show, probably. <laughs> love. We love. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> That's very kind of you to say, because <laughs> you seem to have quite a lot going on these days. I know. It's been it's been wild. I'm in my college bedroom right now. I just came back from acapella rehearsal. Nice. <laughs> and now, yeah. Oh, you know, just the just the classic music school kid things. Mm-hmm. Are you in master's program now? I'm in my undergrad. I'm okay. in my, my last year. I'm a senior. Gotcha. I forget that yeah. I'm starting to not be the youngest person I know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Word. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, but it's been it's been a cool semester for sure. Um, feel like I'm living this like funny little double life. Of yeah, right. Being, like a music student, but also doing all of the music stuff. So it's been really chaotic. All all worth it. I wonder if you're getting to the point now where like there's people on campus who know you for your music that you don't know as a friend at this point. Yeah, it's really rewarding because I think that it's one thing when you make music and you have such a supportive community like we do at home um, where, you know, your friends who are also musicians will come to your shows and learn your songs and all that stuff. But I think it's kind of getting to the point now where people are so they're so much more excited to engage with live music because they didn't realize what they had until it was taken away from them. And I think now like it is like tenfold people are coming to all of these shows and house shows and really, really pulling up because they're like, this is so cool. And I miss this so much. And um, yeah. So now people are definitely recognizing me from house shows or recognizing me from like other things that I've, I've done on campus and it's cool because they have no obligation to me. They don't know me <laughs> as a person. They have no business listening to my music or like or enjoying it for any reason other than they just want to. And that is a great feeling. Yeah, there's that, nothing you know. more purely um, validating as an artist than yeah. people who don't, I don't want to say don't care who you are because <laughs> that makes it different, but people who, it, Why would you they? know, they don't have any bias by being your friend. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it, it's, a, it's really, really cool. And I don't know, I make music. Like, when I write music, I, I really try not to think about who I'm writing it for because I should ultimately be writing it for myself. So to see that other random people who don't know me have had similar experiences or feel a, a type of way when they hear my music, it's really beautiful. And I don't know, definitely something I'm, I'm really grateful for and I don't want to take it for granted. So yeah, every successful songwriter that I've ever met or had like listened to come some kind of interview with usually the, they have some kind of variation of like, I write songs that I would want to hear or I write songs mm-hmm. for me. Uh, like, you know, it seems like one of those cliche things that like, 
you know, your parents would tell you or like somebody, you know, some cheesy teacher might tell you like, you know, you got to do what you want to do and you'll be successful. And you go, of course, they have to say that. That's probably in the curriculum, but it's like, apparently (laughs) it works. (laughs) Yeah, it really does. I mean, I don't know. I feel like if I write a song and I listen back to it and I don't think that I would want to play that song when I'm listening to music, then I'll write another one. That's a good way to put it. That's something that I'm trying really, really hard to learn because I make my art so chaotically. There is no (laughs) process for me. There is no, at the moment, like there's no sound that I associate with myself. And so like, it's funny because I, I I would listen to so many things, so I can't help but have the thought of like, what would someone expect from me or what would somebody mm-hmm. want to hear? But maybe that's my yeah. problem right now. Maybe that's why I haven't finished writing anything. <laughs> like two Well, years. you also wear a lot of hats for uh, sure. Because uh, it's, it's also a different story when you're the performer, the songwriter, the producer, the mix engineer, the mastering engineer, and the manager. Mm, it's a yeah. lot. It's a lot to think about. For sure. And I, I you've been wearing those hats for quite a while now, right? I mean, I was looking back, your first, as far as I can tell, like I don't want to know if the word is official or commercial release is mm. 2018, which how how old would that make you back when you put that out? I was eight, I was 16 when I started recording it and I was 18 when I released it. I was it was right the week before I went to college. That's a lot of responsibility to take on for a teenager. Not that I want to, pa- uh, what's the word, like patronize you because I was also 16 and also very confident that I could do things myself. And clearly mm-hmm. we are two people <laughs> among many who could <laughs> and can. Yeah. Uh, where do you feel like you picked, do you, do you feel like there was anybody who mentored you or you picked that up from, or is it just sort of the internet exists and therefore anybody with the right kind of brain and go-getter ship can figure it out? I think it's a little bit of both, um, but definitely I was kind of like a backstory of kind of how I got into recording. Um, I was a dancer for many years. I was a competitive dancer and I swore that I was going to go to college for dance. And um, music was kind of an afterthought, but it wasn't until I got to high school and I started doing musical theater and Kathy Meinhold, um, who is the mother of a mutual friend of Frankie and I's. Um, we could we could do shout she, outs here. Yeah. Shout out, Kathy. She was she was like, you know, your mom posted something on Facebook the other day. And I saw that you you wrote a song and my my family is very musical and they have a recording studio and I would love for you to check it out. So I went to their house and I had my little my little notebook and my little batch of songs. I was 15. And nobody had told me that um, at the time that I could create original music and people would give a shit. Um, I could curse on this, right? Absolutely. Love, love. Okay. So I really (laughs) didn't think that anyone would care um, about about original music because when it came to music, my parents were teachers um, and all of the people I was talking to music about were teachers. So they were all like, yes, music education, that is the way to go. I hear a lot of that for sure from my musical friends where they're like, I needed a path and I was musical. Uh, so education. Yeah. that And that was kind of like the same thing that I was like, you know, I was like, if I was going to do music, I would just be a teacher. Despite knowing that I loved 
and I and I would start. I started to kind of make things on GarageBand with my grandma's iPod Touch, nice. and um, you know, just really just kind of working my way around learning how to record. And then it wasn't until I met Kathy, and then she brought me to their studio, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is so cool!" And then I just fell in love with the recording process. And then we started working on a few a few songs. And originally, it was only supposed to be two. We we weren't really meant to record any more than that. It was just kind of like a, here, like this is like a little gift. Like oh, <laughs> this is what you can do now. Go run away. Um, but I but then you get bitten by the bug. I got bitten by the silo bug. And um, I think me, Delaney, and Bill just had a really powerful bond together and then we just kept recording and we've just been recording since this day so yeah so all those commercial releases are from there yes the the first ep the album and the ep that i just released have all been recorded there and then i have a quite a few releases that i've mixed myself and produced by my on my my own but Mm -hmm. um yeah over over time it started i mean the first ep they were really the ones that were showing me kind of what to do as far as mixing and producing and then um once i started to get the hang of it i was like get out of that chair i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) (laughs) so so now now we're all kind of um the engineers when it comes to recording in the studio well it's that's i think that's uh, a nice uh setup to have when it's like because i i've worked with a few people before um, on the other side of it where I'm, I'm in the chair, it is, there is definitely a difference when you're working with somebody who, when they're hearing something in their head that they're not hearing on the computer or whatever, mm-hmm. can themselves sit in the chair for a moment and be like, no, no, this. And then it's like, yes. there, there's definitely a different workflow rather than sort of being like, okay, uh, what if we try it this way? Is that what you're going for? Mm-hmm. No. And then kind of, especially remotely over the lockdown times, that was, yeah. Yeah. Pretty miserable, just back and forth emailing. There's definitely a nice uh, synergy when everybody's got a little bit of something or, or everybody's got a little bit of the same thing and some people have their strengths, you know? Yes, it really is. It's nice to have that kind of a workflow. And it's so nice to have extra ears because we, when we wear so many hats, we get very laser focused in on what we think is right. And what we think is going to do the music justice. And I think something that I really took away from lockdown was that making music is a gift, but making music with other people is a privilege and Mm. that it's not always something that we're going to have. And ever since then, I have really tried like everything I do. I'm like, I want to make sure that I'm not the only person that's at least listening to it and getting other people's input and other people's feedback. And it's just, it creates healthy music workflow and healthy, mm-hmm. you know, perception of your own music. It's never going to be perfect. Um, and that's great. That's like the whole point. So yeah, it seems like you killed your ego pretty quickly. Yeah. If you're able to do that. I, yeah. It's, it definitely gets in there every once in a while where I'm like, Oh, they just don't understand it. Like I do. <laughs> but then, you know, you just have to like double check yourself and be like, no, maybe they're hearing something that you just haven't thought of yet. So, right. Yeah. There's some people for sure who I've run into where just no matter, you know, they come, they're clearly coming to you for either help or collaboratorship, if that's a word. And yeah, they're, fighting you back the whole time and i'm like 
Did you want a collaborator or did you want somebody to tell you everything you didn't want to hear just to confirm your own beliefs already? Yeah. Yeah. You just want me to validate all of the things that you thought or did you want me to actually give it? But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's some people don't, don't really walk that line. And some people really do know what they want and it sounds good and it works for them. Um, for me, I think I could be that way if I really wanted to, I do trust my ears a lot, but it's just more fun for me when I have, when it's a commutative experience. Yeah. It puts a good energy into things too. Yeah, for sure. So I'll go back further in time because I uh, have met your wonderful family in different places on different occasions. And mm. I wonder then, because there is such a, especially between you and your brother, Ron, there's like this, yeah. not only huge talent, but I've seen you guys play and sing together like, I want to say, I was going to say like you've been doing it for years, but I'm going to yeah. guess and ask if you have been doing it for years. Was it a very musical household growing up? Kind of. It definitely was. Um, we always joke with my parents because the doctors told them that we were built physically for sports and that we were supposed <laughs> to be really good at sports. And none of us went into sports. We all went into music and the arts. And um, my mom plays the flute. My dad actually... He never really did any music training, but he has an amazing ear. So music was always a conversation that we were having in the house. Um, well, when it comes to my brother, my brother is significantly older than me. He's like maybe about seven years older. So I really looked up to him growing up, but I just never imagined like that he would want ever want to do anything with me. He was like my, my cool Aww. older brother. Um, and then I guess probably when I was around that same time when I started to record, he was also starting to make music and he was starting to record his own music. And then we did a cover of Brandy Carlisle's Wherever Is Your Heart. Mm. And um, that was really, really fun. And there's a weird telepathic thing that happens when you when you make music with your siblings where you just can anticipate each other's every move. And I think that um, if anything, we just do it for that because it's it's cool <laughs> to to make music with each other. Yeah, the first time I ever saw or met you anywhere was when he was running that open mic at North Fork Brewing Co. And you yes. guys did, um, I think it was Believe by Share together. And yes. I was like, do they do this every day? <laughs> I wish. Like, so I wish. Tight. It's crazy. And like, it's weird because we don't really see each other a lot. I mean, I, well, he moved back now. home. Yeah, yeah. He moved back home and then I went to college. So when it, we would always try and write stuff together during my breaks, and now he's moved back to Florida, but, um, is that where you guys are from originally? No, he just really likes Mickey mouse. Okay. <laughs> Cause he said back home. I was like, well, cause I, I know he, yeah. I think he worked for Disney or something before and then came back here and I, went, I mean, I don't know him super yeah. well, but I, I adore him. So. <laughs> yeah yeah so we try and make music together as much as we can yeah he's on one of the songs on passenger seat one of my favorites yeah. of yours yes he is wait for me yeah he's he was definitely a big factor in me wanting to write music and do music part of partially because i really looked up to him and partially because um when you have a sibling you have to do everything that they do and um it's a, <laughs> always a competition oh yeah yeah <laughs> as a as a middle child of two brothers I know. Cheers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so then when did you pick up sort of the tools and interests that have led you to hear like guitar and writing songs? And Yeah. I, when I quit dance, 
Mm. And, and and that's when I really started to get into playing and singing. And I think um, my, probably my junior year of high school is when I started to do the menu venue gigs. Menu so venue. Just the, I've never that, heard that. That's so good. You know, it's genius. It's a Pete Mancini term. Oh, that <laughs> sounds like something Pete would say for sure. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> so when I started to do the menu venue gigs, and it was like this restaurant slash breakfast shop. And I would play for like two people all like every Saturday night. And there would be nobody there. And I would sing for three hours. And I would practice all these covers. And I would practice playing guitar and accompanying myself. And I, I didn't realize that at the time. But I think it really gave me my set my stage presence skills and my guitar playing skills and just confidence in using my voice and it was very fun for me to just play and yeah. just experience and mess around and it was very childlike i was just i was just doing whatever i felt like doing and um, those gigs are definitely really, good for really, that yeah especially the sure. ones where only two people show up because <laughs> no one's on you to be like point, this is dinner rush you got to play all the hits Yes, yes. That was like kind of like a really good situation for me. So I think that definitely helped in my my formative years of learning that I really wanted to do music. Nice. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people I meet who complain that they don't have stage presence or like they don't know how to be in front of a crowd never did a gig where basically all of the odds were against them as far as getting people's <laughs> attention and getting people to listen. Like those shows yeah. you really got to figure out how to be both like social and just good at playing, you know, mm. recognizable yeah. or making songs that are unrecognizable, you know, gripping to people. Because once yeah. you do that, a crowd that's there for your stuff is easy mode. Yeah. Yeah. So when do you, uh, when did you write your first song? That's something I like to ask songwriters because it's very fascinating always. Oh my gosh. I think the first really like, I, I guess the first song that I wrote where I was like, oh, shoot, this is, this is pretty good. This is not bad. Um, it was, it's called Burn You Down, and it was on my first That's EP. That's one of the first? I was 12 years old. Oh I my have God. no idea who I was so upset with, but I think, I think if I had to guess, it was my first boyfriend, and he dumped me for my best friend. Mm. I had the classic middle school heartbreak. Absolutely. And yeah, I if I had to guess, I think that's what it is. But I was I was twelve years old. I was in middle school, and um, yeah, I think that was my first song. <laughs> that's pretty nuts to me that that's yeah on literally on one of your commercial releases. Probably <laughs> has at least a thousand or more plays. Being, you know, it's something you wrote when you were twelve. That yeah, I don't want to say that kills me because it's only a positive thing. <laughs> But I yeah. think to like the fact that there's only a few things like, I mean, my oldest thing that I still stand by is I probably finished writing it when I was like 18. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I and, and even then, like I still when I play those songs, I feel almost like I don't say embarrassed that I'm still playing songs I wrote when I was a teenager. But it's like, yeah, it's crazy to me because I mean, I literally I have like a, a playlist, which is like, I mean, ever growing in songs but like just like every time i hear a song where i'm like oh i would play this at like a party or if i was driving someone and it would make yeah. me seem like i have good music taste like uh, multiple yeah. of your songs are on there but that one's on there so the Yay! fact that a 12 year old person wrote that song 
is very yeah. bonkers to me. Yeah, and like kind of like going back to what you said, like when you write these songs and you're so young, like think of all of the different versions of yourself that that song has seen. Mm. Like it's, I love, I love playing songs that I wrote. Even like it, it feels weird. It feels like, oh my gosh, like, like I'm still playing this freaking song. But like, I don't know. There's something very nostalgic about it, and like, it's a good reminder of like how far you've come to. So I still play that song all the time. And you could tell it's my first song because there's no bridge. I didn't know how to write a bridge yet. So <laughs> it's just a bunch of ooze. But um, That's very funny. And I yeah. mean, one of my favorite bands, Cheek Face, um, you've maybe heard someone mention them by hanging out with like Delaney and Kelsey and Anne. But um, we, we all in the last few months just became huge stands of this band. And um, they were doing like a, a Q&A on Instagram. And it was like somebody was like, how do you write a bridge? And then uh, their answer was, uh, don't. No one listens to them anyway. Oh, <laughs> sad but true. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, very few of their songs have bridges. It's just like verse, hook, verse, hook. Word, so yeah. May- maybe you just had a, a natural instinct of not wanting to give anybody a chance for an out. <laughs> I was on to something. Yeah. Um, I had... A next place to go with that and then i to oh i just have the, i have a few notes because i'm trying to do that now <laughs> and this note just says gen z is lapping me <laughs> oh my gosh so you should title that the next album <laughs> yeah right i know it's so annoying when you're like um because i've for until very recently was always like the youngest out of everybody that i hung around with in the scene and there's like nothing more annoying. Like one of my good friends was on a radio show once and shouted me out when I was probably like 23. And she goes, yeah, mm-hmm. and he's so young. He's like 19 years old. Oh, I'm my like, God. we've had drinks together. What are you talking about? <laughs> <Go tell her>. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but it doesn't, I guess it yeah. doesn't happen to me so much anymore, but I know, I know it can definitely be irritating, but you know, it is, I think that people who have been in the scene a long time and are older are always like, thrown whether that is in a good way or a bad way depending Mm -hmm. on their own ego by people who are like young and just killing it yeah i feel like a lot of that though has to do with opening up space and not making feel like um young people don't know what they're talking about which i feel like your generation was kind of like the guinea pigs for that where like the boomers were kind of being like (laughs) like i don't (laughs) know like the classic like old old white sound guys who just like you don't know what you're talking about. Put that cable down. And mm. I feel like, I don't know, a lot of my mentors have been people my brother's age who are like, no, this is what you do. And this is a cable. And this is how you wrap it. And like all of that stuff. And I feel like we are creating a community that is so much more about teaching each other what we know and less about gatekeeping it. You know, just so nobody can know what we are. Nobody knows what we're doing. And like, I can savor it for myself. Right. I feel like it's a very limiting way of of creating music with each other and um, supporting each other. So, yeah, I feel lucky. I feel like we all just kind of came up at a good time where um, people were looking out for each other in ways that we haven't really been doing in a while. So, That's yeah, a nice way to put that. And I think, I think so. you're mostly right, especially I would specifically pin that to like the sort of songwriter slash folk Americana, like not even that, but like, I I know a lot of my friends have told me like the rock band 
scene is very different. And I definitely, at least on Long Island, have always felt like there is such a different world between the two. And uh, not that I'm trying to open up a conversation about shitting on rock bands. (laughs) I just mean it's very, it's more more to say that I think that the uh, people who write songs, especially in the folk Americana, or even just like whatever you want to call the genre of singer songwriter with air quotes around Mm. it are particularly sweet people. Yeah. I've always kind of felt that way Um, in Syracuse and on Long Island. It's been really cool everywhere. So yeah. Speaking of in Syracuse, do you feel like that's your home base? Even if you, uh, or not, if you finish, because one day you will finish school (laughs) in some way or another. (laughs) We'll get there. (laughs) <laughs> I'm assuming successfully, but in one way or another, it'll more than likely be over at some point. Do you feel like that's uh, your home even when you're done? I don't think so. I mean, I love Syracuse. It definitely took me by surprise. I didn't think that I would really care about upstate New York when I moved up here for school. And I just fell in love with it. And I felt like it really opened my eyes to how receptive the community was to original music because I don't know, personally, I think that like sometimes like I'll play gigs on Long Island and people will either really, really love the original stuff or they really don't care about it. And, um, especially your menu venues, especially the menu venues. And there's not really a ton of DIY house venues, um, on Long Island right now. So hope, but hopefully, and it seems like things are kind of changing, especially like, coming off of covid and um people are really doing a lot more but i think when i came to syracuse i was so shocked by how many people in the community would come out for the shows in the in the local venues of syracuse and um that's kind of like all of upstate new york though they really really love the arts and original music so i definitely have been considering it um i'm definitely between a lot of different things right now like I might want to stay upstate or I might want to live on Long Island or I might just want to go full send and move to the city. I was going to say city audiences are always, as far as I have ever been uh, concerned, receptive to original music. In fact, sometimes even kind of irritated by somebody who plays like, especially like the big well-known covers where it's like, all right, how many of you people are going to run through Rockwood Music Hall and play Alleluia? Like, (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah, (laughs) for sure. I definitely think as of right now, I'm pretty dedicated to at least being close to the city. I've been gigging there quite a bit over the last year, um, kind of just trying to get my feet wet. So have you toured off the East Coast? um, I have not. I haven't really played anywhere other than New York City so far, but Right now, I also have to consider, like, I do really have a passion for recording and mixing and producing, and there are lots of venues, so I could be trying to work in the city for that as well. Ideally, I would love to do something with mixing and audio engineering during the day and then performing at night, but um, we'll But see. all the audio engineering gigs are at night. <laughs> I know, yeah. Not all of them. I know people who definitely are able to thread that needle, and I, if anyone can do it, you can. Thank you. I will we'll see. I mean, I'm not against doing anything right now. I am not opposed to moving to Nashville or LA. I am mm, just kind of like fun. wherever the wind takes me, I will go and I will have fun. 
That's a nice way to look at it. <laughs> yeah. I I wonder if, I mean, obviously school is a, a very limiting as far as time and location, but I, mm-hmm. I wonder, I mean, because you're hooking up with all of these um, artists who have these serious followings like Sammy Ray and, and the band mm-hmm. Lawrence. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's only a matter of time before one of them or somebody else goes, hey, come with me and open on these dates here and there and everywhere. Oh, that would be the dream. That <laughs> yeah, really would be crossed. the dream. How do you uh, make these connections? Do people seek you out? Are you applying to things or responding to to contests or classifieds or whatever? Uh, says yeah. the guy who has absolutely no clue saying words like classifieds <laughs> as if that's still something. That's That's before my time word no i mean the sammy connection was kind of funny because she did a songwriting workshop at syracuse um because my voice teacher is is her neighbor wow like they're they both yeah they both live in brooklyn and they just happen to know each other um and then she set up this workshop with syracuse students and then she heard my music and she really liked it and then we've kind of just kept in touch ever since but I have been a fan of her. Oh my gosh. Probably literally since freshman year of college. I remember where I was in my college dorm room and I was doing my homework and Kick It To Me came on for the first time and I instantly fell in love with this woman. And um, yeah, so I have just been like such a high key fangirl of her since high school, not high school, freshman year of college. And same thing with Lauren. Um, so to open for her was such a surreal experience and she was doing all the same things that we're doing right now when she was our age and it's it's really inspiring to see someone do the thing that you want to do especially when you get to like talk to them and be like oh there's no doubt that this is somebody who has laid out a a path or has followed a path that i can also follow like yeah yeah how do you stone yourself up to meet somebody who you've been like crazy over for years? Oh my God. I like, don't know. I like, I always just have to pretend that um, it's not a big deal. Like going, I, I usually have like a moment of panic before. And then I, and then I like, when I go there, I'm like, they're just a person. They're just a human being just like me. And you know, everything's fine. But she was instantly welcoming, instantly friendly. She just, and it, not just me with the whole band, she took the time to get to know all of our names and same thing with the rest of her band too. Um, so it was really, really fun. And with Lawrence, um, I don't really know Lawrence at all, but they had a contest uh-huh. and I, yeah, for their tour and um, they were playing in Syracuse. So I just, I just kind of went for the contest and I was like, okay, see what happens. And just so happened that they, they didn't hate it. <laughs> so, Hell Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just goes to show you the million different ways that like stuff can happen for people. Yeah. But I definitely think like a lot of making connections for me. One tip that I like to tell my friends is if you get onto a playlist, look at all of the other people on that playlist, find their Instagrams and reach out to them and talk to them, make be friends with them, see what their music is like because you're obviously making similar music and you're kind of on the same level of like accessibility and popularity. So find the people that make the music that you want to make or that you are making with right now and 
be friends with them. You never know what it's going to lead to. I actually just played a show in Rockwood a couple of weeks ago with a friend that I made doing that. There you go. Um, yeah. See, my, my extra tip on top of that that I've always given people, not that I'm in any position to give anyone tips, but I like to pretend I am, <laughs> is that like it's good one thing to be like, yes, reach out to all those people, but be happy with or try to make yourself be happy with having friends who are doing what you're doing just for the sake of having friends who are doing what you're doing. And you'll never come off as somebody who's looking to get something from someone. Yes. Yes. And then worst case scenario, you've got new friends. Yeah, absolutely. It's so much more rewarding and fun when like the connections that you have are people that you're fans of. Like it's, it's so awesome to like see like when you release something or when Anne or Delaney releases something, I absolutely, I get excited about it because I know how much work that they put into it. And we've all you know understood how much work that it takes to put out music and be vulnerable in that way and yeah you have to be supportive you have to do it it's like it it just makes it all worth it you know yeah you don't feel so. alone in a very because it's not that making music is a solitary thing but like especially when you're self-managing it is a very mm -hmm. solid no one else is helping you but you most of the mm -hmm. time yeah for sure but it's funny because I, I brought a friend to his like outside of the scene to um, Delaney's show at um, Amityville Music Hall. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all I all I said about it was like, oh, it's my friend's band. They're kind of like, a you know, they, they call themselves Garage Americana. And then um, <laughs> like that's all she knew. And then I'm there the whole time, like singing along to every word. And she's like, I did not think that you were going to be like, like, not that she didn't think she was just like, I, I was pleasantly surprised that you knew just like every word of every song Aww. she was like that's just so nice that you guys all are like so tight and i was like yeah that's how the that's how the dream works <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um i've got a few other little things written here to pull oh. back the curtain my notes again <laughs> <laughs> oh the funniest thing that i feel like people are gonna get a kick out of now what which do you think you cut off in traffic that has made it so that every time you have a release, Taylor Swift also drops a release? <laughs> I, you know, it, it was, you know, the TikTok dude, it's like, it was a good joke. It was crazy. Yeah. But I'm going to have to ask you to stop. <laughs> I can't make this shit up. And now Adele is also on this train of releasing music. <laughs> And I'm just like, you know, I will just maybe Taylor, if you're listening, if you're sure listening she is, she's this, a big fan. I'm sure she show. is. She's humble. She's, she's a humble one woman. of the 19 people that listen to every episode. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, if you want to collab so bad, just let me know. I would be happy <laughs> to. My people will talk to your people. That would be fine. But, you know, it's, it's enough. It's enough now. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yes. Do you yeah, have I've, like a, a, a system to picking when you put stuff out? Are you one of those people who's like, well, Tuesdays at 9 p.m. do very well for this kind of post and Wednesdays at lunchtime do really well for this? Yeah, I actually like do think a lot about when I release stuff and kind of like when because I, I do like to give myself a good amount of time to have it distributed 
I like to have it at least a month before it's distributed at least hopefully like two months like this this one I think I distributed in early September and it didn't come out until October 15th so I like to give myself a lot of time and space to think about how I'm going to promote it um I usually always release it on Fridays so yeah I guess I do have kind of a system and a lot of that is due because I I take a lot of music industry classes here so I feel like I'm definitely thinking about it in a business kind of sense as well but yeah definitely it definitely is a, a method to the madness for sure yeah, I feel like people see. I was just talking with a friend and roommate and former guest on the show, Anna Rourke, in, the, in, yeah. our, in our kitchen, just like about like promo cycles and like how much, like how daunting it is to think of how you're going to put your stuff out. And then mm-hmm. uh, she made like a comment about like people who just drop stuff by surprise. And then like mm-hmm. immediately we're both like, but of course they're like uploading it three months in advance and like planning out everything. It just so happens that they've got yeah. the, the clout that they can say nothing about it until the day of and then it's a shock right and it's a really cool thing that you can have if you have that platform but i think for now i am not in any kind of position to just drop something by surprise Mm -hmm. and then hope people are going to listen to it um so yeah i'm not i'm not quite there yet but it's funny because it seems effortless or like they're not putting work into it but you know that they've spent like meetings and meetings developing that strategy right even though it's right. at, at on its face it's just here you go but like behind yeah. the scenes it's like no this is exactly when we'll do it and this is you know yeah. we're gonna do something crazy to get us like trending first so that when something drops you know it's yeah. like it's it's, it's super so calculated it's very uh, almost grossly calculated no pun intended mm-hmm. <laughs> <Hey-o. Yeah. laughs> i truly no pun intended <laughs> <laughs> it took me a second to get it. I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah. I well, yeah, the problem was that that was the word I had. And then the moment I thought that word, I was like, no, it's going to sound like a pun. Uh, the only other note I have is Rebecca Black. Oh my God. <laughs> because that is also very fascinating to me. Because Ooh. Rebecca Black is one of the great stories of like our generation. And I'll say our generation, even though I guess we're technically split, but like no, we're only a no, few No, we years were apart. in this together. I was, we were all there. It's kind of fucked up because I was in, uh, I had a guitar ensemble class in high school. So the year that that video became, or Friday became like a, a meme, my yeah. guitar teacher, this like either 30 or 40 something year old man puts it on the projector for all of us teenagers who were at that point, like a, <laughs> at least a year or two older than her to like yeah. laugh at this poor young girl. Yeah. And we yeah. all had no problem with it. And then years later, like she's making this crazy comeback with like just yeah. all this like great pop and like even hyper pop. And I'm yeah. just like, she deserves every bit. She deserves it all. <laughs> she really does. And I will say like, we went to the concert first, which is like kind of how this all started. She had amazing live vocals, like no auto tune, no nothing. Like she was singing. So homegirl has put the work in. She deserves every bit of it. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the stories that she, what, threw some champagne into the crowd and it ruined your friend's shirt. Yes. And I, you know, my roommate and I have discussed this a lot because there were so many factors that happened (laughs) in that moment that led to that happening. It was just divine timing one after the next. It's that butterfly effect sort of thing. Yeah. So we had gone to her concert and then 
we got invited to her DJ after party set, which was um, basically just like a Syracuse like house show. And we were there, but we could not get anywhere close to her at all. We were like all the way in the back and she was wearing her white outfit and she had just recently temporarily dyed her hair bright red and we were just like vibing whatever and then our friend michael comes along and he's like i'm gonna go up to the front so then he drags us all the way to the front of the the crowd and then in that moment as soon as we got there rebecca black pours champagne all over us and it was great it was fantastic but then we were like, we don't want to be in the front anymore. We're going to get out of here. So then we just randomly went to go pee in some like science building in school. And then I took the TikTok. Mm. And then I guess for some reason, everyone in, in the world was on TikTok at, just so happened to be at that moment. And then it blew up. And then Rebecca Black saw the video. She reacted to the video. She, re- she bought us a new shirt. She really did buy us a new shirt. It is in our possession. Um, That's so sweet. (laughs) But the thing that was just like so funny about it is like there were articles about it. Like people really (laughs) like Pop Sugar magazine was like, this is a headline. That's perfect clickbait. It's perfect. And there was one line in it. It was like, user Sarah Gross Music refers to Rebecca Black as her sugar mommy. (laughs) There's nothing funnier than the modern trend of these BuzzFeedy websites taking something that's clearly supposed to have like a hint of stank on it and just delivering it straight as an arrow. And it makes for these bonkers (laughs) things. It's becoming like a meme now too, like on Twitter all the time, which I know this is the abyss of the internet, but like I see all these people just screen capping headlines where like you can just tell when something's been taken wildly out of context or yeah. just given the wrong delivery and you're like it's just like people are like how is somebody how is somebody getting paid to write this but hey I don't know publicity's publicity in, in in the case of the old TikTok I know and it happened the week before my EP released so it was it was all in good timing this is the universe looking out for you <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so we've reached our point where I want to have us play a game, which is the creepiest way I could have said that. Um, nice Ooh. and uh, timely for Halloween being a week ago. Yes. Scorpio season is here. Uh, so the game that I've played um, with all the songwriters who have been here and just happens to be that everybody has been <laughs> or like musicians anyway, uh, is we are going to pull up some screenshots of comments on youtube videos of songs either on the official song or on a music video or a live performance one of these i have a combination just because there wasn't enough these are songs i think you'll know okay and some of them i didn't get enough comments for but we got like a good three that we have comments for so i'm gonna start with one that i think let's start with this one all right so i'm gonna read a comment and if you got a guess you can shout it out um the rules are very loose because this is more of a bit than a game (laughs) but Mm-hmm. we're just mm-hmm. we're gonna get there together there's no prize okay. i apologize <laughs> one day one day when i've oh got funding <laughs> i hope this doesn't expose me for my obsession with pop culture tiktok i'm <laughs> yeah i'm i am there <laughs> let's see let's see what we can yeah. do so here's our first comment on our first song 
And this comment just says it's got 1.7 thousand likes. I always like to shout how many likes it's got wow. because that just means this many people agreed or thought it was interesting. Um, oh God. Actually, this is just like a nice comment that kind of gives us the theme of the song. This isn't even that funny. Uh, this just says she is admiring her rival and accepting defeat because her love is greater than her ego. Oh, she's accepting defeat. We'll go, her we'll rival go back. is greater. Yeah. She's yes. admiring her rival and accepting defeat because her love is greater than her ego. Put it on a pillow. Oh, wait. You might have something. Uh. But let's let's keep going. Our next comment uh, has 5,000 likes. And uh, <laughs> this gets us into the funny territory. This is the most Irish sounding American song I've ever oh. heard. And that's funny because in our previous episode with Holden Miller, our uh, one of the songs was Mr. Brightside, and someone said that is the most British-sounding American song that they've ever heard. And this is nothing like Mr. Brightside; completely different decades. Okay. So and and genres. Oh my gosh! Wait, yeah. can you say it again? It was it's the most Irish-sounding American pop song. Not even pop song, just the most Irish-sounding American song, which is pretty. That's a pretty high uh, uh, Irish level, I suppose. Though wow, I, I wow. kind of hear it in the guitar. I don't know. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Any ideas so far? Do you want to be one of those people who just nails it immediately? Because that happens every episode. Is it? Oh my god! You I you don't seemed know. like you had a thought. Otherwise, I wouldn't have asked you yet. But you the, seemed the like you had a thought. Ego is giving me. When they said ego, I thought it was Beyonce. No, no, but no. Then, her love is greater than her ego. She is admiring her rival and accepting defeat. Though I wouldn't say she's accepting, accepting defeat. defeat. She's begging Oof. for not defeat, I think. But that's another story. Well, it's this story, but we'll get there. So this next comment oh my gosh. only 36 likes, but I, uh, I feel like this is an opinion I hear in real life a lot. Everyone under 20. Wow, that insert name of the person in the song sounds like quite a woman everyone over 30 i want to grow old with the poet who wrote this oh my gosh whoa <laughs> i like, don't know that's um, okay is it's it adele <laughs> it's not adele we're going older oh. than adele very this is a very classic song if that gives you any hints is it landside by fleetwood mac no but we're getting closer but oh. also kind of so this one was from a live performance because I ran out of funny comments. And this is actually just somebody quoting what this artist said before she started playing the song. She points to someone in the crowd and goes, she looked a lot like you, you redheaded hussy. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That threw me. That really threw me. So we know that the person in this song is described as having red hair. If that red opens up any doors. Hair. Like oh. most of these games, it's going to be that moment where you're like, I see what all of those meant now. Reba McIntyre. No, but that is pretty. <laughs> the artist does not have red hair. The person oh, that she oh. is singing about is described as having oh, red hair. Oh, wow. So it's Perhaps a rival. flaming locks of auburn hair. Oh, Dolly Parton. Oh, the song was Jolene now. by Dolly Parton. She is admiring Jolene. her rival and accepting defeat because her love is greater than her ego. That sounds wow. like the synopsis of a really, really wow. dramatic Oscar bait movie. Oh this my is gosh. the most Irish sounding American song I've ever heard. I kind of get it. The guitar and like the look at this kid. I'm For so the viewers upset that at I home didn't get that. Have no video. That is a 
a, a dolly candle <laughs> that we're looking at. A Dolly like, Parton prayer candle. Yep. <laughs> I was about to say, like, what are the Jesus candles that you see at Walmart or in my mom's house? (laughs) Let's see. Uh, Then everyone under 20. Wow, that Jolene sounds like quite a woman. Everyone over 30. I want to grow old with the poet who wrote this. Yes. Which I think a lot of people feel like that. And then she looked a lot like you, you redheaded hussy. (laughs) Only Dolly could get away with that. Wow, that's incredible. (laughs) All right, you ready for our second out of third song? Yes. I am here. Okay. I only have three comments for this one. Okay. They are very entertaining. This one says, she really said gay rights in the South seven years ago. Legend. And this has (laughs) 3K likes and is from 10 months ago. So that math, close to eight years ago. Okay. That probably doesn't help too much, but probably gives you a category, probably narrows down the artist pretty, pretty close. Yeah. I already have some ideas. We are here. Let's see. This song makes me want to break out of my parents' expectations and move to the country and become a bartender. Very specific. Hmm. Do you hmm. have any ideas? Okay. So she said gay rights. In the South. Ten, in, in the South seven years ago. So this song came out seven years ago. Or like, I guess it's close to eight because that comment was from 10 months ago. What year is it? Twenty. Okay, so that would be like 2013-ish. I can tell you exactly when this song is from. Okay. It helps. It, it might. It might. Mm, this song gay is from rights in the South. 2013. This was the first song I ever heard of this artist's. And probably her first big hit. Or like, first indie hit. Ooh. She kind of blew up more, much more recently in the mainstream. I've got more comments if you're ready. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, so this one is a whole thread because this thread is the funniest thing I found. On this oh my thread. god! So this song's thread is uh, has a timestamp on it and says, "Long story short, this was being played in my Christian school and it scared the crap out of me because I thought she said whore." And all of the comments are replying, "She did say whore, actually." Oh my god. <laughs> And one of them says, why would that scare you? And let's let's not be judgy, username one, two, three, four. <laughs> Do you have an artist? Whore. <laughs> I just keep saying Song says whore. <laughs> and she said gay rights in the South. Gay rights, whore. <laughs> um <laughs> That's our soundbite for sure. <laughs> it's the title of my memoir. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Um, oh man i wanted uh, my first initial thought was um she uh you need to calm down by taylor swift no Um, not quite though i would say that people people this artist has a very taylor swiftian following and i believe is someone you cite as one of your influences she might actually be in your band camp bio Oh, oh, Casey Musgraves. Uh, That's make it. lots of noise, kiss lots of boys. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For those at home, that was Follow oh, Your Arrow oh, by Casey you're Musgraves. You're a horrible person. Oh my gosh, yes. Oh, I don't have a prayer candle for her, but if I if I did, it would be right here. It would be. It would That's be close. Fair. It's funny because I guess she does technically not say whore, but like the joke is, you know, 
Yes. <laughs> the joke is that she's saying it. Well, it's very much uh it's a very uh uh like Amy. Um you act like such a jealousy. Da, 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 yes. Like, you think the rhyme is go. gonna be jerk. And then <laughs> to all of you oh at home, gosh. if you haven't listened and don't get it, go listen to the song Amy and you'll get the joke. Right now. Turn pause this. You can come back. It saves pause your time it. on every podcatcher. Saves your place. You can do it. <laughs> yes. Um do you feel up for one more? I am I am here. Oh wait, we have a You're... bonus because I tried a different Casey song first and all the comments okay. were just like really sad about people Aww. um like saying things like cancer stories and stuff. So I was like, well that's not funny. Oh, <laughs> but God. I did find that two years ago I left a comment with zero likes on it, which was just I fucking love this song. <laughs> and that was Aww. on Rainbow. That was on the music Aww. video for Rainbow. Yeah, it was so funny because I was like, "Why is this the top comment?" I was like, "Oh, because it's me. That's why that's the top comment on my feed." (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. I was like, "That's not funny or interesting." (laughs) Oh wait. (laughs) Oh, and I had a bonus. I tried really hard to get anything funny for Silk Chiffon, but it was just people (sighs) admiring. But let's see, I saved one. What was it? Oh, this is just somebody says, "I was on set for this, and I asked Phoebe Bridgers if she wanted any water, and she said, "I'm chilling right now," and that was the best moment of my life. And that has four thousand. I'm chilling right now. Yeah. Our final song. Dun dun dun. Here we are. This one has three point nine thousand likes and says, "Ah, nineteen ninety eight. We were all so young, and this artist was only one hundred and twelve years old." Oh my god. So this is an eternal artist. If that helps. Nineteen ninety eight. Thread here. Let me see. Oh this, no. Uh this commenter, I cannot see their profile picture, but I kind of feel like this is most likely a pretty masculine straight dude because the comment is these are the tunes we listen to without the homies. Without the homies. Oh. Without the homies. And that has 6.8 thousand likes on it, so a lot of yes. people are not secure enough in their masculinity. That's what I'll say. Mm, mm. It's giving it's giving Britney. It's giving Cher. Um is it Cher? Might be share. Might be oh, share. There you go. <laughs> there's your there's your song where everybody every episode somebody gets it in, inexplicably. I was just see, ironically, I was just saying it's giving share because that's like a, a meme right now, but it really is giving share. A little bit. <laughs> so. Yeah, share is kind of a meme right now. <laughs> now I like this comment thread. <laughs> and this was supposed to be the one that kind of gives it away. Uh and it's at least give away the song if you can't already guess Cher's biggest hit. But uh, yes, if you are listening to this song right now, your brain is functioning well and you have great taste in music, which is already <laughs> a pretty good comment. But it ends with the tag. Congratulations. Kisses from Italy. Oh, <laughs> now we have comments uh, replying to it in the thread. Kisses from Morocco. Kisses and regards from Poland. And one that says, no, if you think this autotune shit is great, your brain.exe has stopped working. Oh, my Lord. One of these things is not like the others. <laughs> wow. They just don't, they don't get her. So, they don't yeah, get autotune, share. You've got the song. We've mentioned it on the podcast already, Believe. which is why yeah, I thought, it was, thought that would be a, a cute little nod. As she should. Uh, so you've absolutely nailed that portion. And we have <laughs> about reached the end. I do want to check one thing before I let you go, which is yes. that I gave people very little time to ask you questions on Instagram. And let's see if I have enough people who care 
A word. Okay. Well, nobody That's asked okay. any questions. I should have. I should have put it up last night, but I was busy. You're you're a busy guy. Oh yeah. On the go. That's, that's too long of a story, but so instead Word. of telling that long story, I will just thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I Yay. know how much time it takes to be an independent artist and in college and probably doing a million other different things. Uh, once upon a time, I was there. So <laughs> yes. thank you for yes, this is uh, so fun making the time. Uh, and absolutely, uh, now is your chance to plug any and all of the things. Yay. Um, okay, cool. Uh, check out my new EP I just released a couple of weeks ago called The Riversides. Follow me on Instagram at Sarah Gross Music. Drink some water, get some rest. You <laughs> That's know? good plugs. Yes. <laughs> You've got um, your show with uh, um, Lawrence is coming up, right? That's I think I was looking at your flyer the 15th. Yes, okay. November 15th. I'm glad I didn't get that theater. wrong because then I don't want to direct anybody to the wrong place. Yes. Yeah. Link in my bio for all the tickets and stuff. So, yeah, it'll be fun. Hell yeah. Then on that Yay. note, if you got nothing else to shill, <laughs> you got nothing else to drive people to. Thank you so much for coming on. And we will yes. be following your journey closely. Awesome. Thanks for uh, having me. Thanks Woo. for being here. Hey, thanks again for listening to another episode. Please go find Sarah Gross everywhere you can find her. Uh, she already told you everywhere, so I'm not going to give you the spiel again. But um, you can find me at Frankie Matos Music on Instagram. That's probably where I'm most active. Uh, I'm on TikTok now, too. I don't really do a lot there. Um, I'm on Twitter. If you want to look for me, it's Frankie Matos 109 there. The intro and outro and transition music in this episode and every episode so far are Growing Up Slowly, and Even the Breeze, which are by me. They are from my EP, Unglorious. And um, I'll tell you when there's anything new to uh, pay attention to. I've got just a lot of writing to do, a lot of demoing to do. And, um, you know, I'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs>